0: What's up, everybody? This is the Waffle Talk Podcast, and I'm your co-host, Zach. And I'm Wes. Uh, and today we're going to be discussing something called the Great Emu War, which I feel like is not common knowledge. I feel like a lot of people don't know <laughs> that, like what this is or even that something like this happened.
1: If you're an emu, you do. They tell the, they've they told this story for generations yeah, about and how generations.
0: Kicked Australia's ass.
1: I, don't, I mean, if emus could talk and communicate and pass on history in that in that sense, maybe they can. They've but
0: got a real small head. If they could, so I don't... this
1: would probably be something that would be talked about.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, before we get into the topic, I say let's uh, just give a little bit of a background about ourselves. Um, we've known each other for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm 23, and we've known each other for, like, 15 years.
1: Yeah, so the majority of our lives.
0: Yeah, like a good bit. Yeah. Like, a a long time. Uh, And we decided to do this podcast, A, because literally everybody does a podcast. I feel like that's just kind of, like, you have to now. If you're not doing it, are you really even alive? It's a nice
1: way to communicate thoughts and to get yourself out there. Without doing a, a selfie post, because selfies mm-hmm. are absorbed, you know, and fapid. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, talking is, is not, so.
0: And, you know, you could talk about interesting topics that don't necessarily have anything to do with you. True. Like the Great Emu War.
1: If, I, if we were just posting photos of emus being shot, you know, people might think, <laughs> might get some calls. Just a bunch
0: of guys holding up dead... Like, 100, 200, however many six-foot-tall birds. But
1: when you talk about the atrocities, you know, that's when it's okay.
0: You know, you need the nuance. Mm -hmm. So, uh, anyway, uh, the reason we're calling this the Waffle Talk Podcast is because... I'd say one of the cornerstones of our friendship was around 2015. For a good two or three years, we would pretty regularly, like maybe once or twice a week go to this place we have around called waffle house a lot of there i mean it's a lot in a lot of places but not everywhere has it um it's just a diner it's 24 hours and we would show up at like oh i don't know anywhere from like 9 to 11 and we wouldn't leave until like 3 4 sometimes <laughs> we'd yeah. be there a long time yeah like 6 hours
1: we'd order We'd order, uh, I mean, it could be anything, but I typically like to get a sausage biscuit with just a, a side bowl of pickles, because yeah. I really like pickles.
0: And, you know, it gives you something to snack on after you've eaten while you talk. While you're
1: talking. Yeah. And then occasionally we'd get a, a waffle, of course.
0: Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was good. I'd get a coffee and probably also a sausage biscuit or two.
1: Yeah, but the whole, I mean, the, the, the food was good. And the environment is it's, it's, nice. it's nice. And it's
0: pretty it's you know, we knew the waitress.
1: Yeah. So um, I mean it was a very comfortable place to go hang out, but the the main <laughs> source of enjoyment was like the conversations the fact that we could go sit there and hours would pass by. Yeah. And it'd feel like nothing, you know, time wise. And then we'd go to say our goodbyes in the parking lot, go to our cars, you know, in the process of saying goodbye, continue talking. And then at some point, 45 minutes into our goodbye, we would say, hey, I'm, uh, you know, one of us would say, I'm kind of hungry. I think I'm, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think I'm going to go. Maybe we'd say, oh, no, you know, and then we'd continue talking, on, do our goodbyes. But eventually there'd come a point where we'd go back in. Yeah,
0: there are were, there were a few times where we'd go out to the cars to say goodbye, lean up on the hoods of our cars. And talk for a little bit longer. They'd be like, "Ah, you know, like this is gonna go on for a while. Let's go back inside and then spend another two hours. Get another sausage. Talking about something, yeah. Buy more food. Yeah. Um, and just you know, such as life, things have kind of drifted away from that. We don't do that really at all anymore.
1: No, that Waffle House is uh... that Waffle House closed. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple others around, but that specific one is.
0: but yeah, it's, you know, he has a job. I had a job. Uh, I, very, re- I, well, not very recently, but recently I don't have a job for reasons. Um, but, you know, he's married now. Yeah. Things got in the way. Uh, that was just after the I'd wife. gotten out of <laughs> 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 um, I I had just gotten out of col- or college. <laughs> I wish. High school. Uh, you, I don't think, had quite or had just started college. Maybe not quite. I don't remember. At what I don't even think yeah, you I was were like in it. But you like definitely weren't working at Chick-fil-A way. yet.
1: I think I was, a lot of it was online at that time.
0: Oh, that's okay. So it was and, a lot more uh,
1: flexibility.
0: So yeah, we just had more time. Um, and so the reason we're doing the podcast is because I'm just on one for one. It's it'll be, it'll be nice to have kind of a cut out. It's obviously we're not going to be doing six hour podcasts, uh, But it'll be nice to have kind of a a little just a point in our life cut out specifically to have these longer conversations. Um, But also because we want to encourage other people to do this with their friends, because I definitely think that was like a big it's a big defining thing that we used to do that kind of made our friendship what it is today. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we want to encourage people to just have discussions, especially nowadays where you may be aren't able to see your friends as much. So, uh, you know, maybe you can't talk to them face-to-face, but give them a call and uh, just see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess let's just dive right in. I'm going to give a little bit of a background just to Australia and, you know, what the early days of Australian life were like.
1: Yeah, I don't know much about it. Um, It's like an island, but also is its own continent island. It's the
0: only island continent. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty big. Everything there is trying to kill you, apparently. Yeah. Um, yes, there are a lot of things there that want to kill you. But also, um, in the, in the, on the coasts, the, uh, your chances of running into things that are deadly are pretty low in the, where the cities are. Basically, Australia is a few cities on the coasts, east and west, and then just a ton of uninhabitable... (laughs) Is it like, desert is it, was it wilderness? there well there's jungle there's outback there's desert there's a whole lot there's a lot
1: but a lot of it's not usable
0: it's not that it's not usable it's just like it gets super hot in, the, in a lot of parts um uh, and until recently with you know our ability to irrigate I say recently on the scale on the grand scheme uh, you know Australia having been Populated now for about 70,000 years, Uh, pretty recent that it's, um, people have been able to really, like, farm and do what we would consider existing out there. Primitive life has always been able to happen because primitive life can happen anywhere. Um, but anyway, moving on. First of all, uh, let's start off with a little bit of background about Australia, the Aboriginal people, first arrived on the island continent some 40 to 70,000 years ago. Uh, It's believed that they probably came on boats from some Asian area. They're not exactly sure where or how, but it is is known that they were definitely um, not there originally and they migrated to the area.
1: And they didn't find anyone there, so these these would have been the first people to kind of stay and settle. As far as we know, as
0: far as we know, yeah, 40 to 70,000 years ago, the first people stepped foot on Australia. Okay, fair. And became what we now know today as the Aboriginals. Uh, Australian was first discovered, quote unquote, by the Europeans uh, in 1606 by a Dutch navigator, Willem Janssen. I think that's how you say it. It's spelled Jans-soon, or Jans-zoon. Um, but I'm just going to say Willem Janssen. Uh, almost 200 years later, Great Britain sent a crew led by Lieutenant James Cook. Um, just kind of like, a you know, to go and scope it out, see if it looked like the kind of place that England wanted to conquer.
1: <laughs> well, that, that was kind of their M.O. I that mean, was their was... thing.
0: And they gave it the full... Uh, they gave it the full work over. The
1: pillaging? Once
0: and... James Cook returned uh, from his expeditions and recommended that Great Britain didn't, should, in fact, begin colonizing. Um, starting in a place then known as Botany Bay, now known as Sydney. Oh. And a fun little fact about James Cook. Uh, <laughs> he died not too long after his expedition to Australia in an attempt to kidnap Kalani Opu'u, The Hawaiian monarch. He was trying to kidnap the Hawaiian king. You want to know why? Yeah. Because somebody stole his dinghy.
1: The boat. Okay. Not a boat. Sorry. A dinghy. A a very small... It was a
0: nice dinghy. (laughs) But a dinghy. Somebody stole his... Now, there had been a little bit of back and forth between Great Britain and and the Hawaiians at the time. Um, James Cook had done some... he he had defaced some kind of sacred land and then they re- retaliated and then James wow. Cook decided it would be a good idea in order to ransom to ransom the king off for his dinghy um and died in the attempt
1: he tried to take a royal leader
0: and yeah the king of the hawaiian islands uh <laughs> which okay. reading up on it it was a weird instance because it didn't seem it seemed like it wasn't like a smash and grab, like break into his, I don't know where, I don't I. I don't know, castle.
1: Seems like a stupid and operation. And take the
0: king, like, it kind of seemed like they walked in, talked to the king a bit, we were like, it didn't specify how, but they had just got him to come with them. And so I'm thinking, like, James Cook walked in and was like, let's smash this. Like, let's, you know, put it all behind us, come sign this treaty uh... or whatever on my ship, and we'll do whatever, and there were like chieftains and advisors and priests who were like, this is not a good idea. And as they walked with him to the beach, they were like, king, don't do this. Like, what are you doing? And uh, (laughs) as they got to the beach, the king finally was like, maybe this isn't a good idea. Uh, And as James Cook turned around to start prepping the boats to leave uh, a chieftain whose name I can't pronounce uh, and I'm not going to (laughs) try, Okay. It's, I can look it up, uh, but... Is that a bunch of apostrophes? Well, this is, so that's Kalani Opu'u. Okay. But if I, I, I meant to put this in, oh, but no, I forgot. It's,
1: uh, you know, we'll, we'll be culturally, you know. Here's the thing I'm shocked by. So this man, I when you're an explorer, what is the extent? You just explore something and then you're like, you make your recommendation of, yeah, settle people here and you move on?
0: And, <laughs> I guess he was chartered to go, I guess, guess, you know, figure out if anywhere I think they, I think it was like, they were trying to find places to send people because Britain had notoriously, insanely overpopulated prisons because if you were someone who was in debt, you would be thrown in prison. Yeah. And
1: good luck paying that off. You know? Yeah. Right.
0: (laughs) Especially when you're in prison. Yeah. Uh, and they would they would establish penal colonies all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in America, they had some. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's see. Okay. A chief came up behind James Cook. The chief was named Kalai Manokaho Owaha, Uh, And he clubbed him in the back of the head before a bunch of other people came and stabbed James Cook to death. Uh, and then killed four of his men. Uh, four Marines, Corporal James Thomas, Private... Theophilus Hinks, Private Thomas Fatchett, and Private John Allen were all killed in so, the confrontation.
1: this was before anything that okay. This was
0: 1779.
1: All right. So he discovers Australia, gets killed in a well. No, in, no, he didn't discover in a Australia.
0: Dispute. He after uh, the, Australia had been discovered by the Europeans about a. a 170 years later, oh, well, 164 years later, um, Great Britain sends him out to Australia.
1: Oh, to scout it.
0: And it's like, hey, is there anywhere that seems feasible for us to colonize? Hmm. Comes back and says, yeah, Botany Bay, which is Sydney, um, is great. Goes back, and then nine years later, gets into a tussle with the Hawaiians, gets his head bashed in, and stabbed to death. A dinghy dispute. A dinghy dispute. All a right. dinghy-based dispute, well, wherein his retaliation was to try and steal the king. So if you ever feel like you have a friend who overreacts, I promise it could be worse.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly. Okay, so James uh, Cook his his has left his mark on his Australia. His legacy, yeah. And other places. So we, we move <clears throat> on.
0: Yeah, moving on. Now, back to the early days of British colonization of Australia. Because technically, this is kind of in the later days. Because mm. America had already said to hell with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think the, what is the early 1800s? When they started colonizing Africa? Couldn't tell you. I that. don't know. All I remember in high school is they'd always have those political art of people looking at like it was the, all the European leaders looking at a pie that had Africa written on it trying to figure out oh, how, yeah, how to cut it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's we didn't
1: a... really learn about Africa or Asia or South America.
0: No, kind of a bit of uh probably shame. It's, it's kind of like Cuz none of those places were left better than they found them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like we only learned about North America and Europe.
0: Yeah. That is true. World history was was Even
1: World War 1, world, world War Yeah, II. world
0: history was just World War 1 and 2. And then they talked a little bit about Vietnam, which is still American history. Yeah. Whatever. The American education system. Lovely. Flawless. Perfect. Uh, <clears throat> in January of 1788, Great Britain's first fleet of ships arrived in Australia to establish uh, what we had talked a little bit about before, a penal colony. And if you don't know what a penal colony is, basically it's a colony that consists solely of convicts. Really, a lovely place to be, full of people who, you know, the minor crimes like murder and rape, but also the major criminals like debtors.
1: So they just throw them all in there
0: all together, yeah.
1: So like, basically if I...
0: anyone they they can't afford or don't have room for to throw in prison. Just so sent savage
1: off. murderers and rapists, yeah. arsonists, get looped in with someone who couldn't... Just couldn't pay back a debt. Maybe had, like, a bad crop one year
0: and was just like... <laughs> It'd borrow a bit of money.
1: No, not me. Take, yeah. or take me, not, not the wife. It was my fault. And that guy's now thrown in there. Yep. And sent to a... Australia. A undeveloped, foreign... I yeah. Mean, Okay. Yeah. All right. That's, let's continue, to, on. let's yeah. continue on. Let's continue on. Let's see how Australia shapes uh, out.
0: And it turns out convicts weren't the only fleet's cargo. They also brought with them, as they always do, uh, hellacious cocktailia yeah, of foreign disease, A disease. Uh, which combined with the war they brought pretty much ravaged the native people. Wow. As no they tend surprise to. There. Yeah. Right. So Britain really. Had like they had a they had a signature move, and they did it everywhere. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And now, let's set the stage a little bit for the time period that the story we're telling today takes place in. Uh June seventeenth, nineteen thirty, the United States passes the Smoot-Hawley tariff. And if you're a big fat history nerd, then you already know what that is. No, but I'm not, uh, and I didn't. The Smoot-Hawley tariff uh, was a high tax placed on all imported goods done in an attempt uh, to lessen the blow of the Depression that hit around the same time as the Dust Bowl uh, that was currently, you know, and all that was going on in America. Uh, And it worked perfectly, actually. Ended the Great Depression. Oh, okay. Fixed the Dust Bowl. Yeah. Magically? No, it didn't. Actually, what it did... Uh, is it brought the rest of the world down with us because America is a massive economy or especially at the time um, coming out of because World War One and Two are really what rocketed America into the place it has sat for so long.
1: In A lot of ways.
0: And yeah. uh, this definitely dragged the world down in a hard way. A lot of places were doing poorly after this, but few were doing as poorly as Australia, I mean, which they're... is weird to think about. But. America being such a huge economy, um, Australia had two real imports, exports. It was wool and wheat. And American okay. farmers were the ones who were being hit the hardest, so food and agricultural exports were probably taxed even higher. Uh, <laughs> which made a hard time for Australia, on top of the fact that Australia had, ju- had just recently uh, created its own currency. Oh. And they backed it on the British currency, which was, at the time of conception, um, still using the gold standard. And then mm-hmm. shortly after Australia based it on theirs, they got rid of the gold standard, which sent Britain and Australia into economic spiral. Of course. Around the same time of the Great Depression. There was so, a whole lot of things that came together to just make one really big buck up.
1: Wow. So, okay, the U.S. places a tariff on any... Exports coming into the country. Yes, and in, in an attempt to, to have to people lessen buy the blow. American? Yes, Okay. because that
0: would effectively make all American goods cheaper, despite, <sighs> you know, America having higher...
1: Artificially making them cheaper instead of yeah. letting people get the mm-hmm. best product at the best price. Right, yeah. You know, Which, we want yeah. the people here to be able to sell their stuff. Okay, yeah. all right. No, that's that's fine.
0: I, I, I get the thought process. It just, it really didn't work at all.
1: Trade, like unrestricted trade, I believe.
0: Oh, yeah, it's the best. It's always the it's best. It's always the better everyone option. Everyone
1: will always get the best because product at the lowest price. And that's, in theory, like in reality, that's the best thing, period. Well, if. You should specialize in what you do.
0: The quote unquote lower class, the, the people who are, are, you know, middle class and below, if they can afford to buy things, they will. Mm-hmm. And even though those stores that are selling the things might not necessarily be giving more money to American farmers, they're still making more money, mm-hmm. which means they can spend more money, Yeah, which means the people who make the things they buy make more money, trickle up economy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's this whole cycle and we just kind of put, uh, maybe not an entire roadblock, but like a speed hump. Yeah. Like a series of speed humps, you know?
0: Yeah. It just, it it did the opposite of what they wanted it to do. Um. Okay. And this this is relevant. I, I tell this part of the story because uh, after World War I, Australian vets kind of didn't, you know, they came back. And as payment, the government gave them a bunch of land and sent them out to the west to become farmers. The kinda, west of Australia? The west of Australia, yeah. Okay. So already not a great place to be because, like I said... The most habitable places in Australia are the coasts, and if you look at a map of Australia, you'll see that all the cities you've ever heard of are on the coasts.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's true.
0: Um, And so they sent them out kind of into the Midlands. More, it was like, it's closer to the west coast than the east coast. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, it's southwest, but then up and to the right a bit.
1: Okay, this seems like, a bad idea. I don't know. A well, lot. it
0: was going fine in the nineteen eighteen. Okay. But then the World... Great Depression depression hit. Uh, oh, no, yeah. World War One. World
1: War One had just ended, ended,
0: and so as a gift, they gave all these veterans land. Oh. Uh, so they had serving. a way of making money. Okay. Yeah. When well, they came back. A way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's
1: how. That's so kind of them to yeah. give them their own yeah, plot yeah. of desert.
0: Kind of like that, forty acres and a mule. People gave to the, the people. The Homestead who came Act to them. in yeah. the U.S. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, it, Fascinating. Okay.
0: Um, Yeah, but when the Great Depression hit, it hit the farmers really hard. It hit Australia really hard. And of all the Australians who were already doing poorly, none were doing worse than the farmers because, like I said, their main exports were wheat and wool, which made them do well until they literally couldn't sell any of their stuff to one of the largest markets in the world. Yeah. So that hit them hard. And then... On top of that, just to talk a little bit about emus. Uh, actually, you know what? I think I get into that later. It's been so long since I wrote these notes, I've forgotten kind of the no, composition okay. of it. I'm so, learning uh, about
1: the Australian history, which yeah, let's I know talk, nothing Let's about.
0: talk a little bit about emus. Emus are flightless birds native only to Australia. They're actually Australia's national bird.
1: Do we? I guess the bald, the bald eagles bald eagle, are, yeah. Does Canada have one? I'm trying to think. I just don't know many countries uh, with a national bird.
0: Every every country has a national bird. I just I mean, don't it's know. It's fascinating. I just don't know how you I, pick I don't that. think many put as much like emphasis on it as America does, as the U.S. does. I mean,
1: bald eagles are everywhere. It's a crime to even pick up a feather of a bald eagle <laughs> that's fallen <laughs> to the ground. You have to... I don't know what you do. You leave it, lie there, and or you call someone. Yeah, that's you call true. the president to pick it up and...
0: But to be fair, knows? if bald eagles did to us what the emus did to the farmers, I would be all about fucking those birds up.
1: Okay, so what what happened? There's a bunch well, let's, of flightless we'll, we'll birds. We'll get
0: into that in a little bit. They stand up to around six feet tall. So those are big birds, and they can weigh up to 130, 140 pounds. So, so wow. Yeah, that's a pretty, pretty big bird. And when all of that can move up to around 40 miles an hour. Good lord. That's a pretty substantial animal. So they Uh, look like Which I think the fastest human, I think Usain Bolt his speed is like 32 miles an hour full bore.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was closer to mid-twenties. It might
0: be like 26. I don't remember.
1: Yeah, but either way, that's I mean, they could outrun him pretty easily. And Uh, they look like an ostrich, right?
0: They look like a funky look. They look like if I described to you what an ostrich was, that's how you draw it. But not quite like an ostrich.
1: So, but like Long legs. Kind they're of not a, quite as big. But a, but a thick body and then a long mm-hmm. neck mm-hmm. to their head with a beak.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. They have tiny vestigial wings that have claws on the end.
1: Vestigial meaning they don't actually serve a purpose of flying. Right. Yeah. Like they're there. They've lost the.
0: But whatever. Kind of like uh, in the humans, the coccyx is thought to be a vestigial tail.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, it used to be a tail. We just don't use it as Potentially. Yeah. That's Could've the been. theory. Okay. Um, yeah, So just
0: leftover of an evolutionary process, but isn't quite gone yet. So
1: they've got fake wings and can run really fast. Fake
0: wings with claws on the end can one re- can run really fast. Uh, and they have long featherless legs that also have three large claws on the end that they can use to stomp their enemies.
1: So disgusting toenails. <laughs> They're
0: rough. They're rough animals. They're the only bird with calf muscles.
1: Well, I'm going to have to look up a photo of that. That seems <laughs> really disgusting uh, yeah, and unsettling. Yeah, let's,
0: let's pull up a picture of it real quick. Yeah, let's just look at an Emu. A,
1: I feel like an emu, like a calf.
0: That's what they calf? look like. This is what their face looks like. Oh, he's... But that's an emu. It's
1: hideous. I mean, well, from afar it looks okay, but it's if you look from at afar, it... From
0: afar it doesn't look that big, but when you consider the fact that that's six feet tall when it stands upright. And it... Looks you in the eye. Can run 40 miles an hour and can look you in the eye with probably not a whole lot going on behind them.
1: You know, the crazy thing is when you look at its (laughs) eyes, it looks like it could have been related to a dinosaur kind of deal.
0: I mean, it probably was. There's a good, I mean, you know, there's all those theories that uh, dinosaurs were probably closer to birds than the reptiles we think of. Mm.
1: Okay, Um, so these enormous creatures live in Australia, but they aren't killing people, right? I mean, spiders, scorpions. No, as far as I I haven't
0: heard any stories of them just. I don't yet. I haven't heard any stories of them killing people. I'm sure they have. Okay, but but I don't think I don't think when you go to Australia and you go out to the outback, I don't think the the emu is the first thing you worry about.
1: Okay, but they must have been pretty common back in the day.
0: Oh, oh, they were common, (laughs) and they still are common. Technically speaking, the emu wars went on for like 30 years. Wow. But we're only going to talk about two instances that happened in the thirties, all right. let's um let's mainly hear it. because the government just refused to help them after these two instances, okay. Uh, so
1: what is the start of this conflict? I've kind of got an idea of Australia. people are people are in this you know kind of plight because of the farming crisis and the economy.
0: Right. so yeah. normally. The emus uh, migrate naturally back to the coasts when the time comes. You know, they okay. just like like birds. They go back and forth. When the winter gets cold, they go to the coast where it's warmer. Okay. And then when uh, it gets hot, they they move back. It like one rainy season, they'd move back in and eat the vegetation that grows. Okay. There, however. Due to the new abundance of farmlands that are full of water and food for them, oh, God. they decided there's no need to make the long trek back to the coast. We have found <laughs> a veritable feast I all mean, over the place here.
1: It's very smart of them to, to uh, see that. So, okay.
0: Yeah, and on top of that, this is, <laughs> you know, I'll I'll come back to that in a second. Um, The emus decided it was way just better to stay inland and fuck all the farmer's shit up. Roughly 20,000. Ruthless. Farmer-hating bastards called emus caused millions of pounds, you know, currency. uh, currency. Millions of pounds of damage to the already struggling farmer's property. And naturally, the farmers didn't really know what to do. They felt they only had one option left. So it's
1: like a 20,000... strong Er, army herd that goes from farm to farm uh, to farm backed
0: by um so what would happen is the farmers would obviously have all their crops fenced in sure but a wooden fence can only do so much to 140 pounds of meat hurtling at 40 miles an hour yeah and six feet tall they
1: smash through and then and they got calves so they probably could jump even if they can't fly uh
0: yeah but no they generally broke through the fences terrifying um, and then once they ate and left all the chuff and some of their chaff, sorry, and some of the leftovers, some of what was I think like three million bunnies would come in and just finish out the crop. Oh. Whatever was left would be re- so. Once wiped the down. fence was was once destroyed. the fence had been broken, it was just a free for all. Whatever animals, specifically like they, uh, the emus were an issue, but the bunnies were an infestation. Okay, um, so
1: what could a farmer do then if they well?
0: Naturally, they went to the uh, Ministry of Agriculture, the Department of Agriculture. No, actually, they went to the Ministry of Defense, because they're all soldiers. Yeah. And so they think, I know exactly what will take care of these birds, fucking machine guns.
1: I mean, yeah, because what is a farmer going to do, hit him with a hoe?
0: Yeah, uh, well, not quite. Uh, so all the farmers got together, a group of veterans and farmers rolled up to the capital, met with the Minister of Defense... Sir George Pierce, uh, on being familiar with their effectiveness, requested he deploy a regiment of machine guns to deal with their not-so-little-EMU problem. Unfortunately for the farmer, Sir Pierce uh, said, no, that's a ridiculous way to spend taxpayer money. We're not going to do that. I mean, yeah. Except he didn't say that. He actually said, yeah, uh, fucking absolutely, I'll send people out to go do that. And then he brought it to the... What? To the... I guess the minister, like the actual government, the parliament, and pitched it to them as uh, target practice. We'll make them pay for food and board and bullets. The farmers, who are already struggling, and we'll just use it as target practice. So they
1: send out the military.
0: They sent out, they sent out a small regimen.
1: okay. Of the military. Of the
0: military to go deal with a bird problem. To
1: farms. And in return for being saved, the farmers have to pay for, well, will house the soldiers. A bed
0: and breakfast and ammunition.
1: Okay. Wow. So, But they have a solution. and Their government actually seemed to be responsive, which is... Uh,
0: and also they wanted to make, I think, commemorative hats out of the amusement. That's just a hey,
1: That's maybe a, maybe, like maybe after you guys kill him, you know, we could get these hats, maybe um, sell Also, emu meat, supposedly delicious. I mean, you're going to have to pick through it all, unless you're literally shooting them in the head. Yeah, well, we'll find out how easy, this went. Easy, I don't think.
0: Um, the farmers were like, fuck yeah. Bonza.
1: Well, yeah, we've they've got a solution.
0: Yeah, exactly. After the meeting ended and the farmers returned home, Sir George Pierce put together his emu hunting task force... Hired a film crew for propaganda to show that in these in these trying times, the Australian government was supporting its farmers, its people, you know? Yeah. They had an issue and the government was acting. That's great. Because uh, nothing shows how much your government loves you. Like the largest avian snuff film ever filmed. I'm going to freaking destroy it. <laughs> uh, let's see, where am I? Okay, Uh, sorry about that weird cut. We had some things happen. uh, A couple days before recording last session, the beginning of this podcast, a, what what did they say, it was an F4 tornado? I believe so, yeah. An F4 tornado, or possibly multiple, had touched down in a town not far from here. Not far from where you live, not far from where I live, but closer to you. Yeah. Um for ninety minutes.
1: Yeah, I didn't know tornadoes could go that long. Generally
0: they don't. They just said it, it was, was like, like a... the longest trail they'd ever seen. Well.
1: <clears throat> the Trail of Tears is pretty bad, so <laughs> it's a different kind of trail, but uh
0: anyway, moving on. <laughs> um just a side note, it's noon in Georgia, and if you are listening to this and feel compelled to do so, uh, I'm sure there are many ways for you to support that community yeah um so if you if you want to do that if you're looking for some way to help people that's a really good way there are a lot of people who their homes were destroyed uh they've lost a lot the yeah. whole community basically uh it's kind of wrecked
1: yeah they're having to rebuild the power grid i, mean, I know people's um, homes have been you know destroyed and then you have to wait for the assessment from insurance if you right, have yeah. it or you've wait yeah. for someone to come out and repair it and the government to look and see if it's even safe to live there. Yeah. And, and that's just on the of...
0: monetary side of like what you can replace. Well, yeah. And there's, yeah. there's all
1: sorts of waiting that goes on in the middle of that. And if everything you had was in that house, you know, how do you get food? How do you get diapers? Yeah, right. Medicine. So um,
0: I know my family, like the whole unit. So my mom, her sisters and the whole have adopted some elderly family is a thing they're doing. I don't know if they're housing them, but they're giving them food and things. So Mm. I don't know. I don't think they're housing them. It might be. I don't know. It's really nice Uh, though. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing a good thing for that group of people who just, again, it was rough. It was a rough night. No, it was. Even over here where we didn't have any touchdowns super close. I mean, Noonan isn't far from where I live. It's Mm -hmm. about a 15, 20 minute drive. Yeah. Um, But we had, we had sirens. We had touchdowns uh, not far like just on the line between here and Noonan. Yeah. And then right in the center of Noonan. So, Still
1: had lots of high winds, fallen trees yeah, we and had, stuff yeah. all in between. So.
0: Yeah, definitely damage everywhere, but just Noonan specifically got blasted. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a uh, lighter note, yeah, I to guess, transition you know, back,
1: we're back here. Bird we're murder. ready to talk about.
0: Well, attempted bird murder.
1: Yeah, we're. Ready to talk about a different uh, kind of destruction.
0: So yeah, we're returning, continuing, finishing off the Great Emu War, where we left off, uh, I believe, I believe the last thing I said was largest avian snuff film ever conceived, because remember they had hired oh, the a film the crew film, yeah, to right. create propaganda to talk about how great their government was for going out and... Supporting the farmers in their time. I need. wonder
1: if they were going to film the dead birds, you know?
0: Yeah, there are pictures.
1: I feel like that absolutely would not go over well today. Today, no. I mean, no. especially the hiring but of the crew. But this is the 30s. <laughs> well,
0: This yeah. is the 30s, and these were basically vermin. We're they were essentially what we're they We're coming doing.
1: up on what will be the 30s. Is that odd yeah, that, that, that people can really refer to Yeah, that is really weird. I saw a thing today
0: <laughs> that it was like kids or people today talking about the 90s. Is the same as people in the 90s talking about the 60s. And I was like. That's uh, awful. <laughs> uh, I, uh, why? How do you? <laughs> it hurt. Wow. It hurt me. I'm only 23. But there is something about that, like, equivocation.
1: Landing on the moon seems ancient. But apparently yeah. me being born seems just as ancient to a yeah. kid <laughs> That's nowadays. <kids> now, yeah. <laughs> That's awful.
0: Basically, the advent of the internet. I'm a fossil. Yeah, it makes me feel... I'm only 23, but it makes me feel old.
1: Well, might as well be dead. Uh,
0: But you're like 760. You're just an old man. Yeah, you know. In reality, you're what, 25?
1: They've been 26. 26. They've been working on carbon dating me, but it hasn't come (laughs) back
0: yet, Carbon isn't as old as you are. (laughs) No. No, I predate that, so... They use you to measure the (laughs) age of carbon. They just ask me. They're like, hey, uh, you were here when this was around, right? I watched that happen. I watched it be invented. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So So, snuff film. So so snuff film. Um, The war officially starts November 2nd, 1932. Initially was supposed to start in October, but heavy rains stopped them from deploying Because that would have made life even worse. And as we're about to find out, it was already a tough fight. Okay. Uh, So November 2nd, 1932, they sent that highly specialized task force on their way, officially kicking off the Great Emu War. Now, this task force consisted of three soldiers.
1: Okay, so a very small team. It was a really small a dedicated, team. To, dedicated, dedicated team. Dedicated and highly, dedicated say, and trained, highly, specially trained. People paid money. The government, Australian government, yeah. paid well, money. Well, the
0: Australian government paid those people who were doing it. And mm-hmm. the farmers paid, because if you remember, oh, right. they bought the ammo they spent, which you find out is a lot of ammo. Yeah. Which, if it was as expensive as today's ammo is, which it wasn't, but if it was, it's a dollar a round today
1: my God. Which is
0: ridiculous. Yeah. um Even
1: still. So the three-man team that was So the three-man team. Their, their ammo is being funded by the farmers. By the farmers. The, farmers, no the farmers
0: were feeding and housing them as well. Oh, Who God. are already poor. Goodness. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're but doing a little bit of recap for ourselves because, like I said, it's been a week Yeah. since we recorded.
1: That's okay, though. But, but they've... So they've got a task force. Yes, there's, they've got a there's task force. on the way.
0: Led by Officer... Major George Pierce Meredith, known as GWP Meredith. I don't know what the W is. I don't care to look. There's too many names for one man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) GWP, all
0: right. Was he the captain? Yes, he was, well, yeah, he was the CO, the the commanding officer. He was their leader.
1: And he's got two grunts beneath him. He
0: does. One, uh, Sergeant S. McMurray and Gunner J. O'Halloran. Very very oh, it Irish seems
1: name. Like a, yeah, it's like okay.
0: But again, these are all descendants of.
1: They're coming over from there.
0: English, yeah. Which, is... by the way, something I don't think I mentioned last time. Um, they they started colonizing uh, three years after they lost America because they couldn't just keep sending their people over. I don't mm-hmm. think I mentioned that specifically, but I believe that was one of the reasons why they started out with a penal colony because they had lost one of their dump sites for the unwanted. Oh wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh so
1: we've got an elite squad. Yeah,
0: though. sergeant. So S McMurray and J O'Halloran and two Lewis guns capable of firing 600 rounds of emo dist- <laughs> emo you <laughs> <move>. EMU you <laughs> destroying justice a minute. 600 rounds a minute. Uh which back in f- so 1932 So that's 10 rounds a second? Yeah.
1: Wow, okay. Uh, and before, I mean, this is a relatively new gun, though, because in World War One they didn't really have its automatic guns I wouldn't that were say widespread.
0: It's, well, it, it's it's new in the sense that that's one of the more, like, it's not new in the sense that they'd had it for a while because they had it coming up to and during World War One, mm-hmm. which had been done now for about 10 years. Okay. Um, but it wasn't outdated either. Okay. It was still like one of the most, it was, obviously they were using it for practice if war ever broke out again. Yeah. So it was still the the gun to go, the go-to machine gun.
1: And this isn't your run-of-the-mill gun that no, apparently this farmers is a, this would is have. This is like a
0: mounted, like you run up, pop out the tripod, set that thing down, and you're mowing down a lot of people. Okay,
1: so that's going to have a lot of kick. It's going to put out and 600 it, uh, rounds a minute.
0: 600 rounds a minute at two, uh, 2,440 feet a second. Uh, of I believe it was seven six two. I so believe a big bullet a substantial too. round. Yeah, one of the, the larger size it's, caliber It's I don't think it was exact. It was a, a version or a predecessor to the seven six two. Okay, but that's what you find in like AKs and.
1: So they weren't these... messing around trying no, to kill they, these
0: they, birds. They, they if, were... <laughs> if anything,
1: you'd think it's overkill. Like if you're you just describing think, it to
0: someone, you like... would think yes. So let's... they
1: should have this wrapped up in in. A week or two tops, right? You special, would think? Tra- specially trained team, two, like, special guns, elite in like their capabilities, versus birds that have been plaguing these farmers in uncoordinated attacks, yeah, but devastating attacks.
0: Okay. I forget. I forget exactly how many. How many emus did we say there were?
1: I mean, there was a massive herd of them, wasn't there it? There was a. Ton. I thought you said it was either two thousand or twenty. It was 20, something 000.
0: like yeah. It's I couldn't remember. <laughs> if it was is... yeah 20,000 20, emus. All right, so d- so let's... three men versus twenty thousand emus.
1: But let's do some quick math. If you put out six hundred rounds a minute, mm-hmm. each of those birds, let's say they take ten rounds. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out the calculator. If you
0: somehow, if you just have them all in one field, twenty thousand of them. Yeah. So that's two guns. So it's twelve hundred rounds. A minute.
1: So, oh yeah, that's right, because you have the two guns. So that's 1,200 rounds a minute, but let's say...
0: It should take less than 20 minutes <laughs> yep.
1: if they're all in one spot. If I mean, cause you, if it takes 10 bullets, which is a lot to kill an emu, that's 120 emus you can kill a minute.
0: It's interesting you choose that number, too.
1: Why do you say that?
0: Uh, well, we'll come back to that later.
1: I mean, looking at the math, you could have this done if they're all in a, a big flock or even in a large gathering of them. You which, of course, done... they weren't. A couple hours, couple weeks, I would think this should be done.
0: Yeah, a few days you would think of just like, at most, yeah, a couple weeks just of like travel in between places.
1: Locating where the stragglers are. But you wouldn't
0: think it would be an event. Like you show up to the thing, you put them down, and then you move on, is what you would assume.
1: I wonder too, had they even thought through, were they trying to eradicate them? Or was this just? We need to put a big enough dent. That I don't not think a they were
0: trying to eradicate them. I think, okay. I think the main goal was, yeah, greatly lessen the numbers, take them from twenty thousand, like a twenty thousand strong herd, ravaging to like, I don't know how many, but also make sure that they are not of a mind to stick around, mm-hmm. to like make them make sh- basically force them to continue their, their uh, migratorial patterns to find their food.
1: Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Okay, all
0: right. Um.
1: So we know the players in the war now.
0: We know yeah, we know the two sides. The
1: dirty evil <laughs> the emu, emus
0: farmer hating wheat loving fence destroying emus versus, versus three dudes and two really and, really big guns. <laughs> two yeah, big big heavy guns. Okay. Um the squad was deployed to Campion a place in the south southwestern part of Australia where on the first day they spotted around 50 emus and immediately got to work. That sounds good. However, after opening fire, they noticed the emus were just out of range, so (laughs) the locals attempted to corral the emus into range, uh, but they underestimated the emus. (laughs) The emus were brilliant and cunning tacticians, and instead of running uniformly into the gunfire, they scattered.
1: So, much like a wild animal would,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: they didn't run directly towards the bullets
0: towards towards the very loud noise, <laughs> and instead they just kind of ran in I all mean, every which direction away.
1: Yes, I okay. So this all makes sense. Even a, a trained elite <laughs> marksman would be missing a lot of shots on uh, you know a, yeah. A set of 50 birds all scattering in different directions, even if you had them limited in, in the area yeah. that you're shooting.
0: And also, remember, they can run at, like, 30, 40 miles an hour. That's
1: hard to track with a big that's gun. That's real
0: hard to track with a big gun.
1: A gun that's not um, easy to kind of move around.
0: Right, yeah. So. And also, they were out of range when they started firing. Yeah. So, um and that, you know, them scattering makes it way harder to shoot them. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, according to the soldiers, after that, they were only able to shoot, quote, a number of them in the first encounter. We don't have an exact number, but... A, a number? A number. That sounds... Just like, oh, we shot a number of them.
1: So, so they don't even know how many they, they got. They have no
0: idea how many they killed. Or if they even killed any, they just shot some. Maybe oh, they didn't even die. so
1: we don't even know that there were any confirmed dead in the uh, first encounter.
0: No, not that I know of.
1: That's... You would think they'd brag about that at least. You would think. Okay, so um, so assuming, we're assuming here, but since they didn't brag about it, we're going to assume they got no emus as far as killed.
0: Or at least not enough worth mentioning. Wow. Out okay. of 50. Yeah, that's... Uh, the next major conflict took place two days later, November 4th, 1932. All right, so
1: they rebound. That's good.
0: Major emu scourge Meredith, in a stroke of tactical genius... Uh, had devised a plan to ambush the emus near a local dam. If successful, the ambush would catch the emu force of over a thousand strong, unaware, and result in major casualties for the emu army.
1: (laughs) I love that they're referring to them as an army. No, they're not. This is me. That's the way I'm talking about it, because it's a war. I mean, it is. You're right. Those dirty emu scum, you know. So, (laughs) they're going to trap them. Where? (laughs) Again?
0: Um, it's basically, it's a dam, so it's like...
1: They're gonna push them against a wall, and they are just be trapped, Basically right? putting
0: it between a rock in and in a hard place.
1: Okay. it seems like a great plan. I don't know, the brilliant tactician, t- <laughs> I don't know how this could go wrong.
0: Uh, let's see, where am I?
1: They can't fly. You gotta... No, play. they
0: can't fly. Uh, the Australians, having learned from their previous encounters, waited for the emus to be well within range before opening fire. Uh, Initially, the ambush appeared to be a resounding success, but once again, Meredith underestimated the emus. Uh, (laughs) I have a bunch of gibberish here. (laughs) I was going to make a joke. You know what? I'll just go for it. Little did the Major know the emus had planted a spy among their ranks. They had known about the ambush all along and sabotaged the Lewis guns. (laughs) Causing it to jam, leaving the Australians defenseless and staring down over a thousand emus unarmed.
1: So what of their guns? Um, but
0: in reality, the guns just jammed. Both? And I, <laughs> it, it says they were only able to kill 11 birds out of, a out of a thousand before it jammed. So I don't know if they only brought one or if they both happened to jam. But it would what would have been a slaughter became 11 birds.
1: So, okay, I don't know a lot about guns. When a gun jams, what can you do to unjam it? Well, can now you even use the gun? There
0: are things you can do nowadays, but I don't know what the course of action was in 1932. I mean, maybe you have to disassemble I mean, you can it, clear clean it, it and... There, I mean, today it's not too hard to clear a gun. Okay. There are things you could do. You could oh. you could field clear it and get back to firing pretty quickly.
1: What is a jam anyways? Is it like a bullet? It could gets be a lodged? lot of things.
0: Um, or just the pins aren't... aren't it could be a few things, yeah. A bullet can get just it could just not be discharged correctly, okay. and so when the the, um, I forget it's like I guess the bolt comes yeah, back comes to discharge the round. The bullet gets instead of clearing it, it gets lodged in it, and then that the bolt slams it into place and it just oh, gets stuck. Yeah, and you, you gotta really keep trying to... to, you know, you gotta muscle it around and clear the clear that uh, casing. Yeah. Or in a situation like this, uh, sand and dust can really oh. mess with a gun's ability to perform.
1: You know, I imagine if they were unloading with this very powerful gun, and they had it resting in a stable position near Probably on the ground. Or dirt or anything, every, yeah.
0: every fire kicks up dust. Yeah. Every shot. God, so. so it didn't, they, yeah, basically almost, if we're going with the 10 rounds per bird, 100 rounds in. So less than a minute
1: not even a minute that's right that's,
0: <laughs> but if if we're being realistic probably like 15 20 minutes you think they fired that long? I have no idea
1: man I look all I know is you said there were 11 birds out of a thousand yeah that's not even that's barely a 1% casualty rate <laughs> Against, against no offense but freaking <clears throat> freaking birds that were pinned against a dam.
0: Yeah, they had literally nowhere to go. Okay, because so. I, if I'm remembering correctly, it was like a bit of a ravine too.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. I mean, it I, would have, I have to, no be idea what it this to be for it to be a dam. Were they worried at all that shooting near this dam could
0: break the dam? <laughs> I was dam? thinking about that. Wait a second. During doing the now during the note taking of this, I was like, I wonder. I imagine they. I have to imagine they weren't firing into the dam.
1: I'm not an engineer, and I don't know a ton, but I just feel like doing this near a dam is is thin ice, you know? Like, you could just cause it to break, which would flood and kill. But it would
0: definitely kill the emus, but also probably...
1: Cause so much more damage to the surrounding area. (laughs) You thought the emus were bad for a farm. Yeah, I mean, just flooding (laughs) it.
0: Where do you find out what a whole river does? What farm? <laughs> what God. farm? What family? What farmer?
1: <laughs> took care of the problem one <laughs> yeah, way or the other. It's all air.
0: done, we got it. Really? It only took two days. The yeah, major it was success. crazy. It was like just a handful of bullets knocked them all out. You
1: know it'd be amazing the emus like can just swim perfectly yeah. fine. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they just float immediate yeah. a perf-
0: like a bobber. They just do And little, the calf muscles little, they could swim.
1: A little emu paddle, yeah. Oh, oh that'd be terrible. Okay. So wow. Uh, complete failure in round two. Yeah,
0: so all in all another unsuccessful attempt.
1: But Meredith's gonna come back in round three. You know you know that our man <laughs> well, is gonna get it done.
0: Disheartened, Meredith and his men moved farther south in search of a flock they had heard were more tame.
1: This so- is like the stuff of legends. You know, they're like they're hunting out these legendary birds. And people are just giving them whispers here and there of where to to find a trove. Okay. Uh,
0: And perhaps, you know, more agreeable to being gunned down by machine gun fire. Uh, Let's see. Uh, However, this migration farther south also proved to be unsuccessful. Uh, By the fourth day of the war, army observers noted that, quote, and this is a direct quote, from farmers and local people who would come to watch oh the spectacle. Each pack seems to have its own leader now. A big, black-plumed bird, which stands fully six feet high and keeps watch while his mates carry out their work of destruction and warns them of our approach.
1: So these birds are smart. S- apparently. I mean, bird brain apparently is not an offensive term in Australia. Maybe it's like the, you know, their toilets supposedly go backwards. <laughs> yeah. Maybe brains, bird brains there. Some, well, something's birds, going on.
0: Bird, I mean, even, what is it? The um Oh, there's a bird in Australia. They have like a whole season dedicated to it because they'll just swoop down and like attack you.
1: Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, if you go walking past their nests, they just like continually attack you. Yeah, I
0: just can't think of the name of that bird.
1: I don't know. The only bird I know there is the kookaburra. K- kookaburra?
0: Kookaburra? Kookaburra?
1: Whatever. They live in a gum tree.
0: Um, I think it starts with an M, but I can't remember. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I don't think a <laughs> is a bird. Uh, let's see. In an attempt to overcome the great speed of these birds, Major Bird Bane Meredith, brilliant tactician that he is, had devised yet another plan. He took one of their Lewis guns, mounted it to the back of a truck. That way they could chase the birds down And shoot them as they ran.
1: This is kind of innovative. I mean, I feel like, you know, just a normal grunt, a farmer, peasants, you know, they wouldn't figure this out.
0: Yeah, he built his own technical.
1: That's what I was just thinking. I was like, this sounds like... This is
0: guerrilla warfare now.
1: Yeah. I mean, emu warfare. (laughs) But yeah.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Emu warfare, not guerrillas.
1: I mean, amazing, though. This guy, look, I want to hear how he wins this and... and (laughs) The Australians come out on top. And then I want to hear about the rest of his career. However,
0: Meredith had face. once again underestimated the birds. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> As this tactic had also proven to be a failure. <clears throat> sorry. I got like caught up in my breath here.
1: It's an emotional moment.
0: It is. The trucks were too slow. They couldn't gain on the birds. In 1932, okay. they didn't have a fast enough this, truck this makes to catch, catch. Now, granted, this is, this is in the outback. And so it's not exactly, it's not they're, they're not driving ride, down a paved road. But this is almost, this is just hurtful. But you would think, fi- but you know, just because they can't catch them and run them over doesn't mean it's still not an advantage. They stay in range of the gun longer because they're chasing.
1: That's true. And the birds eventually have to tire.
0: However, the ride of, on the truck was so rough that it was actually impossible to fire the gun.
1: Also makes sense. So, okay. so suspension. They wasn't took all what the time, mounted
0: the gun, got going, and then found out not only were they slower than the birds, they couldn't have anyone up there shooting the gun because just it was
1: bouncing too... along and <laughs> trying to control this yeah. massive
0: gun. Because uh, you know, believe it or not, back in the day, 1932, they didn't have super great modern suspension.
1: No, even if they did,
0: I mean, I don't even know if they had.
1: They're not like you said. They're not driving on roads. No.
0: No, no, they're not.
1: <sighs> wow. Okay, so <coughs> these are all great ideas. It's just there's no one there to filter these out before they actually yeah. do stuff.
0: This, the, all the uh, trial and error, it's a lot of trial and even more error.
1: I'm starting to think that Meredith isn't the great tactician that we were promised by the government. Funny you, know, you if should I'm say a, that. If I'm a farmer.
0: On the 6th of November... Oh, sorry. On the sixth day of the war, okay, November eighth, nineteen thirty-two, Major can't hit the broadside of a bird. Meredith, <laughs> and his men, withdrew from the battlefield, dejected and defeated, having killed, I don't know. Oh, actually, I do know. It says later. Uh, dejected and defeated, and in defeat, the emu. No, never mind. I'm just gonna move on. That's a stupid joke. Uh, you got uh, you got a bunch of puns here. What do you? No, no, no. Are you a, an <laughs> emu sympathizer? Meredith uh, <laughs> <laughs> and his men did withdraw, and it's estimated that after six days and twenty five hundred rounds, as little as fifty emus were killed.
1: Oh my god!
0: As little as fifty emus. So, officially making. By the way, that means. I don't know what ammo oh cost God. back then, but if this were to happen today, with the with the price, the general price of ammo in America, it sure. would have cost twenty five hundred dollars in ammo alone.
1: Not to mention all the work. To Not to mention all the equip, work,
0: all the money they spent on to like
1: travel to scout out.
0: Yeah. To pay the people. Food, housing. Oh yeah, that's
1: right. They had to house them for at least a week. Then
0: the pay of the soldiers. This is. And an officer, a major, who makes more money.
1: An absolute fail. And
0: the film crew.
1: They shouldn't have. Ex- I forgot about the film crew. <laughs> oh my God. They absolutely. I don't.
0: It I, was a rough time. They didn't get those commemorative emu hats they wanted.
1: How do they bounce back from this? Well, you'll find out. I,
0: do they? They don't. They
1: die. Do they just? Ahem. They lay down and let the emus take them.
0: <laughs> that was that was the joke. That was the uh, the peace treaty was that the emus claimed the continent as their own. <laughs> I mean, they're probably uh, still there. Basically, it is though. Um, <clears throat> uh, Meredith did note, though, that during the encounters, not a single one of his men <laughs> had sustained injury. <laughs> so no casualties on the human side.
1: Was that expected? I don't. Know. I think it this was. Is, I think th- it was just him he's being. He's trying like... <laughs> to save face. It's just.
0: I don't I even. I, honestly, I that. think it was more of just like a laugh at my own pain kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> unless I, unless he was being 100% serious.
1: I mean, I you think which would he be kind would of be because people are spending real money. Yeah, on this. this is
0: not the Well, and also these people are like starving basically. Yeah, and, and he's had a- just given up food to feed the people who would fail to kill. I mean, tw- out of 20,000. It's estimated they killed about 50.
1: Look, that's not know. even 1%. I don't know what I could have done, but I feel like I could have done more.
0: Well, with today's guns, maybe. No, I mean... But also, this was only six days.
1: Yeah. Well, how are they going to extend the campaign within six days? Yeah, with a terrible track record like that? If you told me that you had a thousand pinned down and you couldn't do anything to that? I mean, it's just...
0: Anyway, uh, the peace didn't last long as the emus were quick to return to their regularly programmed obliteration of Australian farmland. The farmers quickly returned to the capital asking for more help. Uh, and of course they obliged. Wait, you're serious? Yeah, no, I am serious.
1: I figured that was the end. They failed. The, the Meredith, he withdrew. No. So this is round two? Okay. No, the
0: government said, yep, we're all in. And they began phase two of the great emu war. And once again, major emu bitch Meredith was deployed.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, I guess at this point he has the most experience. You it's couldn't just bring in that. a random... November
0: 13th. It really didn't take long. Five days.
1: So this is like a two-week campaign so far. They Week one, they... They got shit on. They, get, they got
0: covered in bird shit.
1: Yeah, and they packed it up so much so... <laughs> they took
0: the, their ball and went home.
1: And then they had to like get psyched up, had the government say, no, we really need you to do this. And well, they... Okay. Listen.
0: Uh, November 13th, 1932, the emu war begins again in earnest, but this time was different. Was it? While the emus had been busy celebrating their victory, getting fat and happy, Major Meredith never stopped obsessing over the emu menace. I believe that. (laughs) He spent every waking hour contemplating the strategies of the emu, their strengths, their weaknesses. He was obsessed. His wife would later reveal in a... No, this is also fake. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was uh, he seeing?
1: I was going say he probably wasn't seeing his wife.
0: Um, this time, however, Meredith was ready. He, he, I guess, had... He must have really honestly been thinking about it because he came back with better strategies, apparently. Uh, they redeployed, and in the first two days alone, the Major had killed a whopping 40 emus.
1: So they've almost equaled their total from the last week.
0: Yeah, in in two days. Okay. Uh, the soldiers had become so efficient at hunting emus by <laughs> December, so the second phase was much longer.
1: Okay, so this is now three
0: weeks at least. They were killing over a hundred emus a week. By the end of, towards the end.
1: Out of a pack of twenty thousand. Out of a,
0: well, out of multiple packs Of
1: uh, multiple packs of twenty thousand. That's yeah. What is that? Twenty weeks. No, that's 200 weeks that it would take. Four <laughs> years? Am I doing that math right? I don't know.
0: It would I... take four years <laughs> for them Matt to kill? Math is not my strong suit. I'm just the narrator. The,
1: you said they were killing how many a week?
0: They had, uh, by early December, were killing over 100 emus a week.
1: That's, that, that is, that's 200. That's three and a half years at least that it would take them to freaking kill well, that many.
0: Well, regardless how many, or how long it would have taken for them to kill all of them, December 10th, 1932. The war was finally coming to a close. The emus had suffered enormous losses In his official report, Major Emu Annihilator Meredith, reported that he and his men had directly killed 986 emus with 9,860 rounds of ammo equaling out to be about 10 rounds of bird.
1: <gasps> no way, I freaking guessed it. Okay.
0: Uh, and that some... 2,500 birds total had died just in general from, I guess, sustaining injuries. So, to like, to their injuries. I think 960 emus had died, like, during the gunfire. And then, throughout the following days, as they were they going around, they would just find dent. dead emus. Yeah. Uh,
1: that's, that's, now that's a number.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a dent. Thus ending the Great Emu War. So,
1: okay. Overall, though, this...
0: by the way, overall, still failure because 2,500 birds total is like 10%. I was going to say- 10%. Uh, and they would continue, the farmers would continue to suffer major losses in, in capital. And at this point, they just and would, had to for, deal with for it. For 20 years, would continue to go and be like, we need help. And the military would just be like, no. Oh, wow. Um What really, I believe, uh, saved them was better fences. (laughs) They just came up with fences that were emu-proof, basically.
1: Well, that's good. And that honestly seems like a better use of funds. No offense. (laughs) Even if the military was giving out fencing, it's got to be better than just wasting ammo, training, housing people, using film (laughs) crews. Film
0: crews. (laughs) Oh, man. What a time. 1932.
1: I mean, I wouldn't want to go. The back The world there. was in a bad spot. I would, if Australia I could time a travel there, it be would a fly be... on the
0: wall, be a fly on the gun, a fly on the Lewis gun.
1: No, I'd I'd want to handle the gun, but that's only <laughs> just so I could see how tough it is.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Look, I've played enough Battlefield One to know that the Lewis gun is a an efficient weapon.
1: I believe that. You've never shot at emus, though. It's true. I've never that's shot at a... anything
0: that can move forty miles an hour. It's
1: not a feature near Battlefield games. No, it's not. i played that too. It's a good
0: game. What if it was? What if that was? If it
1: was like emu target <laughs> practice?
0: Do you remember, did you ever play Battlefield 2? Battlefront 2? Sorry. Mm-mm. There was uh, the game mode you could go on Hoth and like half of you would play as uh, rebels, the other half would play as wampas and you would just fight. What if Battlefield had a version where it was half of you were or I guess three of you were Major Meredith, O'Halloran, and McMurray. Our heroes. Our heroes. And then the uh, rest of the <laughs> lobby was fucking emus. I
1: can't. I don't know. I just... This whole story is so shocking. I understand their attempt to like try and fix it. I don't know why no one suggested better fences. I'm thinking maybe they were limited by technology. But that would have <clears> been <throat> one of my first suggestions. I Probably. I would have I rather, instead of a film crew, hired a team of engineers back in the well, but day here's the thing design. too is
0: like how do you stop something that is six feet tall 140 pounds and runs 40 miles an hour i don't know it has calf muscles it could just kick the fence down
1: that's the aborigine
0: people but, but they didn't
1: i don't think they talked to them i think it's kind of how well, we but also Native i don't i don't Americans. think they
0: had this issue
1: well, I'd ask them what they were doing. Because then. the
0: migratory migratorial pattern didn't change until the abundance of farms.
1: Ah, fair. Because well, up
0: until this they had just been they would go inland when it got cold, I assume, and and then back towards the coast when it got warmer.
1: This is a shame. I mean that so many good birds had to die.
0: Apparently, uh we talked about this last time, I think, but apparently emu was delicious. Supposedly it's really tasty.
1: I mean, it's a big bird. It's they a probably red meat, kind of like a what duck. Is it, 150 pounds. They probably get to eat a lot of it.
0: Yeah, probably. Although, well, I wouldn't want to.
1: I mean, if it's riddled with bullets, no. Yeah. Generally like, speaking, if you're if ruins. you're killing
0: an animal to eat it, you want to avoid like anything other than really the lungs or the heart. Yeah. Or the head, if you can. I've heard because that because otherwise, ruins if you hit meat, like though. a gut, you can spoil the meat. Uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, supposedly fear fear makes it gamier. Yeah, I don't know I'm, if that's true. I don't know either. I'm not a hunter. I'm not. But I don't know any hunters who... I may be the <laughs> Like, their, their hunting gun of choice a <laughs> is gun. a Lewis gun, or, like, it's the modern unloving. equivalent.
1: I mean, if you get your first shot, you don't have to keep going, but... This is true. You're just looking to kill it, you know? But I wonder if that was maybe what... Okay. <laughs> I wonder if at the start of the campaign, that was kind of one of their ideas. They're like... All right, look. Let's kill them, regardless. But if we can kill them and preserve the meat, so the farmers could eat it. Yeah. And then they immediately threw that in the. First and the foremost,
0: though, man. we have to get those hats.
1: Yeah, that's true. They didn't get any of that. No. Uh,
0: well, they probably did get hats uh, towards the end, after having a, killed.
1: Dunt's hat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. So, what did you learn? Are you asking? What are your takeaways? Are you asking
1: me? Yeah. I did learn a lot of uh, Australian history. Learned more about the country. Continent. Well, it's a country, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, and an island.
1: <laughs> I don't, okay, I learned all of those things, too. <laughs> the island, country, continent of Australia. <laughs> I learned a little bit about its people, its discovery, kind of its early growth, and then definitely about this whole failed campaign.
0: Learned think- about James Cook.
1: I learned about yeah the idiot that that <laughs> decided to get into a dinghy dispute with the king of Hawaii and that, got
0: clubbed and stabbed to death. I mean, ultimately by a bunch of Hawaiians death. on a beach.
1: <laughs> you know the crazy thing to me is Hawaiians, as far as I know, are like a very peaceful people. You have to do a lot to get them to that point. Well, I think they could they can dish some stuff out, but like, as far as I depends. know, It depends.
0: I I don't I don't know a lot about Hawaiian specifically, but I know the like the Maori. The Polynesian people, they're pretty... I mean, they're warriors. They're pretty stout warriors.
1: Yeah, but I don't think they... That's what I'm saying. I, I i agree with all of that. I just don't think they'd come at you for no reason. So this guy must have been a major... I, I don't know anything about... James Cook was an able. I mean, that's James Cook I definitely,
0: definitely was an asshole. He, he like was just defacing their sacred sites. Whatever happened to him, he deserved. Yeah. Um, especially since he thought it was fair play to kidnap a king... Stupidest campaign in order to try and get his dinghy back. Look, we
1: don't know enough about that whole story, but out of the two, which would you say is the dumber campaign? The the James Cook trying to take a king. Oh, James Cook,
0: absolutely James Cook. <laughs> so well, I mean the, the the Australians the. They had a, an interesting way of handling something that needed to be done. Yeah, James Cook tried to steal a king to get back essentially wood.
1: He probably would have argued <laughs> that it needed to be done. You don't know that boat. I Sorry, that a, dinghy.
0: I don't know the the clipper, the dinghy, whatever it was called. Yeah. Um, I don't. Maybe it was made with really special wood that floated extra better.
1: Maybe it was like lined with gold. I don't think that'd be good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if, hey, Yeah, I don't know. That'd be super buoyant. But B, I feel like it wouldn't then have been labeled, they stole my boat. It would have been, they stole a substantial amount of gold.
1: There's always money in the Bananas.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, learned $25, a lot. $25,000 lining the walls of the banana stand. Yeah,
1: you know. <laughs> Why didn't you say anything? They probably had bananas on Hawaii. They maybe had a stand. Yeah, they
0: definitely have bananas in Hawaii. Yeah, and maybe that a maybe stand, that
1: stand <laughs> got turned into a dinghy.
0: Uh, Anyways, <laughs>
1: learned a lot. Uh, I was excited to kind of have this as the first topic. This yeah, is this is a, a good one. A wild, crazy topic, but well, a lot of good conversation.
0: Of crazy, wild kids. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's good stuff, man. I really enjoyed um, learning about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, kind of ironing out <laughs> what jokes I feel not embarrassed to include and what ones I will include.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> Is it is it odd to, like, kind of making notes and thinking, this sounds great, and you're saying it in your head, and then you're like, I'm well, about to read this out loud. Well,
0: here's the thing. It's, if it was just, I, part of it I feel like is I'll, once I get more comfortable with recording and the idea that this could potentially be heard by people I, I don't know. That's, Yeah. Um, I'll get more comfortable with injecting more of my style of sense of humor. But if it was just our group, I absolutely, if I had time We'd to take the notes, those. I would have been to say, yeah.
1: That is a weird thing because in theory, we're having a discussion. Yeah, it is just the two of us. It's almost like we're kind of talking to people or like that's, that's well, in that's my mind. Well, that's the goal. It's, it's just different, you know, from kind of a a conversation that we would be having amongst one another.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, if this has listeners and you're like, oh, I, I, if you're like, oh, those jokes sucked ass, then, (laughs) sorry, I'm still, I'm working on it. We'll keep trying. But if you heard them and were like, I wish he had said more jokes.
1: Oh man, I wish there were more puns about how. Stick around,
0: it might get better. It might get much worse, who knows. Um, however, if you, uh, did listen to this and are interested in getting in touch with us. You can do so by emailing us at uh, waffletalkpod at gmail.com. What was that? (laughs) That was (laughs) waffletalkpod at gmail.com. W-A-F-F-L-E-T-A-L-K-P-O-D at gmail.com.
1: Waffletalkpod at gmail.com. Wow, (laughs) I'm going to email them right now.
0: Uh, We also have an Instagram, I believe.
1: I think I followed them the other day because it showed up as recommended.
0: Which is uh, just Waffle Talk Pod on Instagram. So, again, W-A-F-F-L-E-T-A-L-K-P-O-D. Waffle Talk Pod waffle on talk Instagram. Pod. Waffle Talk. Apply directly to the Waffle Talk. <laughs> Head on. Apply directly to the, for- you remember those commercials? Yeah. Are we
1: allowed to, like, make references to these I don't these think things?
0: that thing, I don't think it exists anymore, so.
1: Oh. Well, someone could come after us.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, if you never hear from us again, know that the head on people us. They're like, us. you got well, it. Why didn't they came that. after us? I didn't mean that. A cease and desist living.
1: <laughs> they they put a bullet straight onto our forehead. <laughs> bullet on, <laughs>
0: fly directly to the forehead.
1: Gun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think guns need ads like that. No,
0: I think if you're interested in getting a gun, that'd be a
1: terrible it. marketing pitch. Um, if you're like the guy at the gun company.
0: That's they what he looked like, by is. the way. That's Sir George Pierce. Oh, okay. Um, Good-looking guy. I might, I might post this picture on Instagram. Photographs came along. He, had a, a, he had a good, good mustache.
1: Yeah, mine, mine doesn't fill in like that. No, no.
0: But I, I see pictures of people with mustaches like these, and I'm like, they have so much more upper lip than I do.
1: Yeah, I don't. That's where I don't get it. And the other thing too, I, I'm looking at him now. I wonder this: if your nose hairs grew long enough, do you think they could grow <laughs> into the mustache or just kind of be a yeah. incorporated? Oh, absolutely,
0: yeah. Um, look at those eyes. That's uh, a man who has seen defeat. He's been defeated by birds. I mean, he's seen he's seen war. He probably saw World
1: War One and was like, uh, yeah, damn, he, this uh, is rough." <laughs> you know that. And but, then he probably but the Emu saw wars where he's getting a thousand He Probably stare, saw that. Stare. Yeah. Oh man. No, this is, this is a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to continuing this.
0: I might put this picture up too. Oh, man. I don't know who this is.
1: That's their, the emu leader. It's the general.
0: That's the spy who broke in and jammed in, their in, guns. Uh, in uniform, yeah. That's a Lewis gun. It's enormous. And <laughs> i just not realizing. He's got it mounted on that guy's shoulder. He's firing it from that position. Do you think that was what they did? I hope not. But it looks like he's standing in a field of wheat. Of
1: you gotta get some cover, I guess. I don't. I don't know.
0: I guess oh, an emu feather hat. Oh, they! Wow. Okay. I, I they don't know really if that were... really is what that was, but it's. Uh, I'll Maybe post, an attempted camouflage. I'll post some of these pictures up on uh, Instagram. I don't own any of them. They're all from Google, but uh, yeah, boy.
1: Well, hey guys, thank you for uh, joining us on this journey, learning yeah. about emus. If you learned something cool, have any fun ideas for things we could talk about in the future, waffletalkpod at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Send us your recommendations.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we look forward to kind of the engagement, I'm sure. And absolutely. Feedback. Um, you have anything else to say? Or are we good
0: to... No, I think we're good to pack it up. Well, I am Wes... And I have have been and will continue to be Zach. Thanks for joining us. Yeah.